I'm Julie Lamb, a therapist turned life and business coach. In all my years as a therapist and coach, I have seen that true healing and growth comes from understanding your greatest asset, your brain. To manage your life and business, you first have to manage your mind. I'm here to help you figure out what the hell is my brain doing? Hello, my friends, and welcome back to What the Hell is My Brain Doing? This week is Valentine's week and well, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, but I was thinking about kind of what this week might mean for some people. Some people, it's a really hard week, you know, with all the flaunting of love, it can be really difficult. And for others, it's a time to remember those that are special to them and, and love, basically. One of the things that's really fascinating is I have, you know, I work with some clients that are not in relationships. And I was thinking I wasn't in a relationship. I met my husband when I was a little bit older as relative, shall I say. But it kind of got me just thinking about some of these things that have to do with like why our brain responds the way it does, especially around love. And so I just wanted to kind of share a little personal experience for me. And I want to go into this study I found. I get fascinated, excited by the brain, and I want to share some of the information so that you can kind of have some understanding too. So obviously when I was in college, all my roommates were dating. I went, you know, I dated a little bit, but nothing serious. And basically I graduated from college without a relationship. And this isn't normally a big deal for a lot of people. It's not a big deal, except for where I was raised. That kind of was like, Oh, what are you going to do? How are you going to meet somebody? And et cetera, et cetera. Well, I met my husband when I was in my late twenties and, you know, we hit it off. I want to say really fast. So we had a whirlwind romance is what we'll call that started dating. We were engaged. And then, I mean, when we started dating, we were married nine months later. Like this is, it was really, really fast. And for a lot of people, that sounds completely crazy. And even in my mind, I'm like, that was a little fast, a little crazy, but you know, it worked for us and some people it works for others. It doesn't, but it just got me thinking about how love impacts your brain, what that looks like and how sometimes we do things that maybe we don't even think about sometimes. So with this Valentine's in the air this season, I just wanted to kind of share some things about what that actually does. And that leads me to this study that that I found. And I think one of the things that I thought was the most fascinating is obviously how love fits into the hormones within our brain, but not only just the hormones, but it plays with the different aspects, the different parts of our brain. And so I wanted to just kind of talk about this and I'm going to do this and talk about what my relationship kind of looked like as I, I'm going to sit there a little bit and, and share kind of how I could see that playing out in real time. And granted, this was many years ago that we got married, but I just wanted to kind of share what that experience might look like. So in this study, they talked about how in an early stage of a relationship, so we're going to call this the dating stage, the kind of the get to know you to even maybe even, you know, maybe it's more serious than that, but basically the early stages of a relationship. What's interesting is that the part of the brain that is affected in these early parts is that primitive brain. And if you remember, the primitive brain is the one that's all about survival and connection, and it wants to make sure that we can survive. And so in an early relationship, it kind of feeds that connection. It feeds this basic human need. It's It actually triggers the same things as when your body takes a breath or when your body digests, the things that you don't even think about. It triggers that same part of your brain when you start these early parts of a relationship. And I think that this really just goes to show that connections are so important. And I've read studies that also talk about when we don't have that connection, how it can lead to depression and anxiety. And I've seen that. I've seen that with those that don't feel like they have those meaningful connections. And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to give you some ideas that can really help because a lot of times when we think about love, we think about this like romantic, this partnership. And while, yes, I'm going to share that aspect, there's also a little bit of other things that can feed that same thing if we're willing to really look and dive into it. 
So going back, this romantic love feeds this basic need that we have. That's why I think we're always seeking it. We're always looking for it. What's interesting is the hormones. There's three basic hormones that come to play here. And one is like that feel good, like the tingles and this is so great. And that's that dopamine hit. And that dopamine hit is what gets you going back. It's that reward center. So I want you to think about when he calls or, you know, when they, when you talk to him and you just get these little, and I even talk like a little, that's so much fun because again, it's that dopamine, it's that reward system. And so when my husband and I first started dating, we actually had a long distance relationship. Uh, so, but when we first started, we went out and you know, the fun part, like the holding hands and just being together, but even long distance when we would just talk, like that was when I really just got to know him. And it, again, it fed into that reward system of that dopamine. Another hormone, they sometimes call it the cuddle hormone, and this is the oxytocin. And essentially, this is that real feel good that comes through that. And so a lot of times when, again, I'm going to talk about that holding hands, that kissing, that intimacy that comes from a relationship, it triggers that. That's a very healing hormone. It's one that continues to build. And if you want to go back again, the brain needing this for basic survival, this is one of the things our brain actually needs is that connection and that more deep, deeper physical connection. Then the last one is like an adrenaline hormone. And this is essentially that euphoric sense of purpose. This is somebody I meant to be with. This is that deep love, that deep connection. This is somebody that I know will do great things and build. And when we have all three of those that come into play, what's interesting is that they have found that these areas of your brain also light up. There's three areas of your brain that light up. They continue to build those rewards. And that's why, in my opinion as well, we have almost these crashes and burns. It's like we can have these great love stories. And then when it falls apart, it's almost like a crash because our brain has had this high, 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 and then it's taken away. And that's why we get some of those great love songs that are, you know, beautiful and bring people in. And then also the sad love songs that really are about that deep heartache and that deep pain. But this was what I also thought was very fascinating. So all those hormones are going on. Your serotonin levels, which regulates your appetites and your intrusive thoughts, it drops during this period. So even though you may have these high hormone levels, these high dopamine responses, this reward center going on, the serotonin levels drop. And when they're low like that, that is what looks like OCD and anxiety. So at the beginning of a relationship, if you think about this, this is why we become so obsessive and we start to overanalyze. What does that phone call mean? What does it mean when he doesn't call me? And is he going to? And it's because those, again, we have that reward system. He held my hand. This feels so great. But then we start to overthink and analyze because those serotonin levels start to drop. And that's why, again, at the beginning of a relationship, it feels very much like it's this up and down roller coaster type of emotion because it is rewards. And then at the same time, we've got this like confusion kind of thing that happens. And I just kind of think about like when my, you know, my husband and I started dating, it was, like I said, it was this connection that we just felt like friends, we could talk, we could share things and it just blossomed into this romance. And when it did that, there were these times where it was like, Ooh, does he really, did I say the right thing? Does he like me? Is he, is he not? And that's why communication becomes so important when you're in these relationships. But again, sometimes those dopamines and those serotonin just kind of play and effect. And we're not sure like what's real, what's not. So one of the things I really encourage people in this new stage of a relationship, whether you're dating or whether you're just starting out to just be willing to take a step back and say, this is natural. I want this connection. This is a good thing that I want this. And then I also know that my serotonin levels are going to drop. So I'm going to overanalyze things like this is all normal. It's what your brain is meant to do. But if I might allow the process to just be fun with no pressure. I remember before I dated my husband, I dated several other guys and 
one guy that I dated was very, it felt pressury. It felt very much like there was a timeline that I wasn't aware of. And because of that, it felt very uncomfortable and unorganic. And it felt like I was questioning myself all the time and doubting who and what I was because of how this guy was treating me. And a lot of times we let those things get in the way. And so might I suggest as well, this is a lot of times why we might miss red flags in a relationship because of that excitement, or we see that red flag, but we put it on ourselves. Because again, if my serotonin levels are low and I start questioning over analyzing, if someone starts treating me poorly, somebody starts telling me things and gaslighting me, or somebody starts to get abusive of any sort, we may start to go, well, maybe... Maybe it wasn't as bad or maybe I thought or whatever. And this is just, again, we want to understand and be able to think rationally, even with these reward centers and these lows going on. I know it's easier said than done, but during this time, take that moment to just reflect and look at that. So let's look at long-term love. So my husband, I've been married 16 years, you know, and we started dating about 17 years ago. We've been in a long-term relationship and I want to talk about this longer-term love and what that really looks like. So that if you're in that beginning stage and you get that Twitter patient, that excitement, that everything, that longer-term love does change. And a lot of times people have in their brain that I should always feel this, this Twitter patient, this excitement all the time that's going on. And I want you to think if, if your hormones are going like that, like you've got that dopamine fix, that reward center, the serotonin lows where you're always anxious and stuff, your brain eventually kind of says, hey, enough is enough. We get it. Like you like this person, but we don't need to overanalyze everything. And so when you're in a good, healthy relationship, a lot of times what happens is that naturally starts to, I'm going to call it settle because we start to trust that process. We start to trust ourselves. We start to trust that other person. And then it forms that deep, meaningful connection. Now, don't be wrong. There are times that still after all these years that there's that excitement that comes. That's a natural thing as well. But when your brain starts to almost sink into the idea that this connection is happening, it's real. It's something to trust. Your brain also starts looking for other things. And when it does that, it activates this attachment part of your brain. And when it promotes this attachment, it basically is that ability to stick it out because your brain looks at this again and says, I can trust this. This is natural. We are connected. We can work this out. And I always find that so fascinating because humans, again, if we're meant to have connection, we're meant to have that. This first early part, like when we can kind of get through that and create that stability, our brain naturally feeds into this is how this is going to be and how this is going to work and, and what that might look like. And then it's interesting because then it boosts this activation in your brain that is specifically to help you anticipate the needs of others. So what do you think when we're in that first phase of love, it's almost like we are in this euphoric we're trying to obsess and analyze over everything. And then when we get to the stage that feels comfortable, that feels relaxed and feels trustworthy, that's when we get to that point where we start anticipating the needs of others. I share this because I want you to think that for those of you that are in these type of relationships, sometimes it helps to make sense. And if you're not in these type of relationships, sometimes that helps to understand like what my brain is doing. If my brain is constantly feeling on edge, my brain is constantly feeling like I'm not sure if I can trust that. This is a normal part of a long-term relationship. The studies have shown that this is what that will look like. I always give a caveat as well, because obviously I've, I do marriage counseling. And so I see a lot of couples and a lot of times that just because you're in counseling or just because you are struggling with your relationship, it doesn't mean that these parts are broken. It doesn't mean that there is, you're somehow deficient. It just means that when you are in these relationships, this is what they've noticed about the brain. And so there are two different things to look at there. So I just wanted to bring it more from that perspective of when I'm in a long-term relationship, this is what my brain looks like. 
The other thing that's really interesting, again, is that all of this is just how your brain naturally matures and naturally accepts the things that are going on. And last time when we talked about how, you know, when change happens and how your brain sometimes will accept the change or look at the obstacles and kind of figure out kind of what that looks like. I think it's really important to understand that love is also changing. I believe that love is an action as well as a feeling. I think too often we think it's one or the other. And I think some of this study really shows is that love is basically like a reaction within our brain, but it's also something that we can control, something that we can look at. And when I say control, I mean, it's something that we can put effort into, something that we can decide on. So that is one thing I will share is that, you know, my husband and I, we're not perfect by any means, but we decide every day that this is what we want to do. And so I think whatever that looks like for you, when you're in a long-term relationship, just notice how your brain works and thinks about that person. Notice what areas of your brain are activated. Again, they've shown that this cognition that is there, like that helps you to anticipate those needs. And it's just a, it's a really fascinating aspect of what love does to your brain. If you remember, I talked about how there are other ways that you can have that same effect, even without that romantic love, that deep connection or that long-term relationship. They have found something very, very similar in three specific instances. And I think you can take these instances and kind of decide what that might look like for you. If again, if the romantic, the deep partnership relationship isn't for you right now, because again, you can experience those same things through these other ones. So one of the first varieties that they give is actually with a pet relationship. And so they show that if you can gaze into like your dog's eyes, for instance, and you can have just that deep connection that you feel this overwhelming sense of love, this sense of connection, and it's this, it, it helps to benefit the brain. So that is why they say pets are a really great way for you to also feel that as well. And I know that, you know, I think about my cat when I was growing up and um, she was mine, you know, my mind to love on and to hold. And then I think about the, you know, our family dog that we have and how he is, I can just see like my girls light up and almost like those centers start to activate as they think about him and his needs and what he might like. And those are aspects of love that you're developing and bonding, even if it isn't necessarily reciprocated or that deep romantic love. Because again, with that, they've shown it's that mother-infant connection. And that mother-infant connection is, again, it's that eye contact. If you can look at someone in the eyes and just have a conversation and just, or even just gaze at them, that does create a lot of bonding. It does create a lot of attachment just simply with that gaze into the eyes. And as a mother looking at her baby, it's that same idea of just gazing and this deep love. And I remember, again, holding each of my daughters and just feeling this immense love and their babies. And they have no semblance of, you know, if this is a good thing or a bad thing. All they know is that their basic needs need to get met. And so then, but as a mother, like that deep love, you know, while I can't speak for my husband, I will say he has an amazing bond with our daughters. And I think it's that same idea of gazing, loving, and then anticipating that long-term love of anticipating the needs of others. And that's, again, how that can be met. So that parent-child relationship um, through that pet. The third area I think is really interesting because it activates a memory and attention part of your brain. And what it is, is it's when you have a love for something you're passionate about, whether that is a sports like running or whether it's a hobby like sewing or whether it's a talent that you have, whether, you know, a musical instrument or whatever that may look like cooking, when you have that passion for it and you can just essentially put your all into it, it activates the same parts of the brain. It activates that part of anticipation and that I love the aspect of boosting your memory and the attention because again, your focus is on something that is outside of you. 
each of these loves are really interesting because it's all something outside of you. If you'll notice when they first started, it was all about you. It was how your brain was reacting and and what your brain was taking from it and how this other person was then feeding into that. And these aspects are all of those things outside of you. There are things that can boost and lift how you're feeling simply because of the interaction of those around you. So as you're thinking about your own idea of love, I want you to just be able to say whether you are in a relationship, whether you are just starting one, ending one, or whatever your relationship looks like. First, one of the best things I'm going to ask everybody to do is what does your relationship with yourself look like? How can you have that same love for you? How can you then take that and say, if I'm not in a deep relationship with somebody else, What would it look like in some of these other aspects? Do I have like an animal that I care for? Or do I have a hobby or talent? Or do I have something that I can really feed into? Because all of that will continue to boost your brain's activity. It boosts your brain's dopamine levels. And it really does help in all of those aspects because love really does help the brain to feel better, to feel like it is heading towards a connection. And that's ultimately what we want. So my friends, I hope you enjoy this week. Whether you celebrate it or not, I hope that this is helpful for you to understand why love is important, why it's that connection that we have and that you can have it even without that other person. If your goal this year is again to improve your relationships with others, whether that's setting better boundaries or whether that's finding somebody that you want to spend your life with and you want to get over your own blocks that could be holding you back, I encourage you to reach out and set up a call with me where we will talk about that very specific goal. We'll look at, again, the obstacles that can come up and we'll look at how we can solve for each of those obstacles so that you can finally have what you feel like you want and desire. It can happen. It is possible. And I invite you to be able to do that whether it's working with me or whether that is finding these tools helpful for yourself to truly activate your own brain, your own love. So until next time, this is Julie Lamb with What the Hell is My Brain Doing? If you love today's show, I would love for you to take a minute and give a five-star rating and a review. Subscribe and share with those that you know would love to learn more about managing their brains. If you're ready to join me, I want to invite you to coach with me where we uncover more about your brain so that you can have the life and business you dream about. Manage your brain is more than just a thought. It is a possibility. Go to www.julielamcoaching.com to learn more. I believe in you, and I hope you believe in you too. You are good enough. You can do hard things. This is how we do it. Stick with it. See you soon. Have a great day.